This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Bokertov, Anthony, day 81. Um, how are you? Bokertov, yeah, well, let's start with uh, President Isaac Herzog, um, Israel's president. He was in the news twice yesterday um, for different things. Um, he visited the home of Samar Talalka. Samar Talalka was one of the three hostages who were killed by friendly fire when they came out of wherever they were, wherever they'd been held in Gaza and was mistaken by IDF troops um, for terrorists and, and were killed. Samar Talalka comes from a Bedouin family who lived in the Bedouin town of Khura and he happened to be on kibbutz near Am on October the 7th working a weekend shift in the kibbutz hatchery when that massive terror attack and massacre took place and he was one of those people who was kidnapped and taken to Gaza and of course he um, drew attention because of the fact that he doesn't come from a Jewish background and because um, he comes from a Bedouin family, an Israeli Bedouin family Um, and so there was um, a certain amount of spotlight that was shined upon this particular situation because um, it seemed quite strange that Hamas would kidnap uh, a Bedouin um, when in fact their intention was to um, kidnap Jews and um, the the story of course transpired that unfortunately it ended up with him being killed along with two other Jewish hostages and his family feeling very painful about this um, and um, directing some blame, at least some blame towards Israel and the Israeli government about the death of their son um, even though they did of course lay some of the blame um, on Hamas as well um, but yesterday President Isaac Herzog decided to pay a visit to the family and he went to Khura and he hugged the family members uh, to participate in their grief to, 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 to pass his condolences to them and there were some photo opportunities that, that were published and I found it quite interesting that he would take the time to go to Khura and to pay a visit to this Bedouin family to demonstrate some unity between us even amongst the communities who are not necessarily uh, part of the Jewish community um, but we are all Israelis together and we are all suffering this particular massacre and this war together and whether you happen to be Bedouin or Muslim or Jewish or Christian it doesn't really matter because we're all suffering together and um, I certainly applaud the President uh, for taking that action. The second thing that the President yesterday was he visited a base that was loading missiles that were to be used to fire towards Gaza and he took a pen and he wrote a message on one of the missiles that was going to be fired towards Gaza later in the day. 
we're not being told what exactly he wrote on no anthony no you can't do this how how do you how do you do this he wrote a message um, and then you can't tell us what the message was, really. I have no idea, unfortunately, what the message said, but maybe that will be something that will come out in due course. Yes. Um, but he wrote messages on the shells, uh, uh, on some of the shells that were being fired towards Gaza. Um, and I think the significance was the picture of him with that pen writing on the shell of the missile. Um, surrounded by a number of IDF soldiers, clearly people who were involved in um, loading up these missiles. Um, so, yeah, the, the president very much uh, participating in events. I know, Kathy, yesterday we said we wanted to talk about um, the, the 20-odd thousand yeah. Yeah, the people that have been killed in Gaza and exactly how that's um, um, being coped with in Gaza um, because of... Uh, obviously a very extreme situation um, in Gaza right now uh, and in fact I think 20,000 might well be on the low side yeah. um, uh, because you know I don't think we really know exactly how many people um, have been killed in Gaza there's still too much destruction um, that goes on in Gaza to um, uh, really work out the number of people who have been killed um, but what's, what's interesting, let's start with the fact that um, the Sharia law, the Islamic religious law that governs the rules of burial um, are very, very similar to the rules that the Jewish traditions follow, which means that the body needs to be buried as soon as possible, that there is a, a ritual involves bathing and shrouding the body. But um, the fact is that the body should be buried as soon as is possible. And what we've seen in Gaza is that there's been so much destruction that even right now there are numerous bodies that are still um, being recovered from under the rubble of buildings that have been destroyed. Um, let's not forget that the idea does warn people before they go into areas um, to the extent that there are civilians in the area who the IDF would prefer not to um, target as part of their operation. They do warn people. They send SMS messages to individuals' phones. They drop leaflets and flyers from the air in particular neighborhoods. They knock on doors to encourage people to leave. Hamas, uh, on the contrary, has been trying to encourage those people to stay, to try to create some sort of a human shield. And in the middle, of course, there are, unfortunately, civilian casualties, um, numerous civilian casualties, not just one or two. We've mentioned the number 20,000. Um, so there are still many, many bodies that need to be recovered from under the rubble. Um, and we have seen uh, pictures and videos and also read stories about what happens once people are able to return to certain areas and recover these bodies. And there have been quite a number of reports that I've seen which show civilians returning to areas that have been um, bombed by uh, the IDF, managing to recover dead bodies and simply burying them almost wherever they can find a space. Yeah. Um, I've seen pictures of people digging graves in the middle of a traffic island that runs in the middle of a road. Um, which has kind of been somewhat destroyed because of tanks passing by and because of explosive devices that have been detonated in the area. But people literally digging graves in the middle of a traffic island um, in order to bury bodies. Um, of course, a number of mass graves that have been created. I've also seen pictures of people burying bodies in the courtyard 
of some of these hospitals. The hospitals, of course, have been a very huge targeted area because of the amount of terror activity that's been conducted from these hospitals. Um, but a number, of, quite a few people have died in the areas of these hospitals, and I've seen pictures of um, people digging graves in the courtyards of the hospital just to manage to bury the, the bodies. I'm not even quite sure to what extent. Um, the identities of those people are even being recorded. I think there's some sort of a, a panic, kind of just let's bury them as quickly as we can without necessarily even knowing who these people are or marking the grave of who might be there. Um, so I think that there's a certain amount of um, desperation involved in just trying to bury as many bodies as possible um, and just finding a piece of open space wherever they can find an area and literally digging a grave right there and burying the body. I think that, you know, the grave site is probably marked. I have no idea whether the identities are known or not known, um, but there is a certain um, uh, panic around um, trying to uh, bury the bodies. And of course, many decaying bodies now because the, the war is into its 81st day. So um, some of those people who might have been um, killed in the early days of the war um, and bodies have not been uh, buried yet. Of course, there is a certain decay that happens and um, a risk of health um, issues um, surrounding the fact that there's so many decaying bodies around. I've seen pictures of soldiers moving around Gaza wearing masks, not because of corona, but I'm guessing because of the stench of uh, decaying bodies that might be around there. So it certainly is a big issue. And I suspect in the end the death toll may be quite a lot more than the numbers that we're being fed, although we have to understand the source from which those numbers are coming. Um, and I don't really know what to believe, but I could, I could believe 20,000 given the, the extent of the destruction that we've seen in Gaza. Yeah. And um, it's, there's, there's a lot that I'm trying to kind of get my head around regarding Gaza. One of them is that in, the small area, which is in its lo longest part, is 49 kilometers long. So you've got an area that's quite densely populated, 2 million people, and 36 hospitals for 2 million people. That's very, very high when you consider that some countries with 30 million people don't have as many hospitals, Anthony. Why are there so many hospitals right. in Gaza? Do we know? Uh, it's a good it's a good question which I can't answer directly. But what's quite interesting for me about these hospitals is that they many of them seem to have been donated by foreign countries. We have the Indonesian hospital, for example, which is called that because, of course, it was donated by the people of Indonesia. So there are numerous hospitals which are called by the names of the countries that have donated money and resources in order to build those hospitals. Exactly why there are so many hospitals is not uh, something that I know the answer to. But um, what we do know is, unfortunately, that many of those hospitals over the past number of years have not exclusively been operating hospitals, although I think that they probably all have been treating sick people to, to one degree or another. But the problem, of course, is that so much activity that's gone on around the area of the hospital, and particularly many cases in the tunnels below the hospital, has been devoted to terror activities. Yeah. You know, I think that this also speaks to the international community. You know, and I think that you touched on this in your answer, um, when, you know, you want to help 
So let's donate a hospital because that's what we hear right. is how sick and how terrible and whatever. Well, the facts on the ground yeah, is actually contradicting that. Gesture. Yeah, it's a humanitarian yeah, gesture, and it, it turns out not so much. Um, I mean, look, um, the the international aid for Gaza is massive. So Gaza receives on a monthly basis from Qatar 30 million U.S. dollars, um, 120 million U.S. dollars a month from UNRWA. 50 million U.S. dollars a month from the European Union and 30 million dollars a month from America. That's incredible amount of money. And that is all going to Hamas because, as we've seen, it's not going to the people of Gaza and it's not going to infrastructure. Yeah, and, and even now, to be honest, I mean, we see that particular concept perpetuating itself even during the time of the war. We see uh, truckloads of, of humanitarian aid coming through the border with Egypt we see Hamas guards immediately try and take control of the, over the truck so that um, civilians who are desperate for the food and the water and the aid that is on those trucks, um, they try and jump onto the trucks to see if they can get hold of some of the goods that are being con- uh, carried on the trucks. But these Hamas guards come around and make sure that that aid goes directly towards Hamas storage areas, yeah. towards where Hamas people are being um, kept and, and, and being fed, um, and rather than giving it to the civilians. So even in these days when you think you might do something good and donate money to a humanitarian aid organization, and they go out and they buy food and they buy all the basic necessities that you would expect refugees in the situation would need, even those things that, that are being bought on a, on, w- w- by people who are meaning good and who really want to help the average citizen in the street, the average refugee who's really suffering, all, a lot of that is simply going towards Hamas. And we've seen situations where Hamas guards have actually shot and killed children, Gaza children, Muslim children, who are refugees and who wanted to try and jump onto these trucks to try and grab some of the goods they've out of desperation. And they've been killed by Hamas guards because those goods are reserved for Hamas only. Yeah. Um, I do need to talk to you about this before I let you go, Anthony. Um, a senior Iranian Revolutionary Guard commander was killed in Syria yesterday. So how does that change the balance of the situation? Because now you, you've well, got Israel this, operating in Damascus. Well, Israel's been operating in Damascus, so that's already not a new situation. Um, but the killing of this um, senior Revolutionary Guard, um, whose name is Hussein Amir Abdullah Hani, um, he, um, w- sorry, he, um, that was the, that was the Iranian foreign minister. The person who was killed was Syed Reza Mousavi. Uh, he was the senior Iranian uh, revolutionary guard operator in Syria. Someone who was apparently very, very close, uh, to the, uh, the, the heart of the Iranian revolutionary guard in Tehran and who was very much associated as well with, uh, Suleimani, who was killed by the Americans back in 2020, the senior revolutionary guard commander. Um, and uh, Musavi, who was killed yesterday, we believe by Israeli fire, was the person who apparently was coordinating between Iran and Syria and ensuring that the Iranian proxy armies get goods and ammunition in particular, which was flowing from Iran. A lot of it was making its way through Damascus airport in Syria towards Lebanon, towards Hezbollah, 
towards other Iranian proxies operating in the area. Uh, so Mosavi was very, very close to um, the Hezbollah commander leadership. He was very, very close to the Iranians. And his death yesterday certainly changes things because we've seen the um, Iranian foreign minister coming out saying that Tel Aviv should count down. That were, those were his words yesterday after the death of this commander. And in fact, even the supreme leader of Iran has made a comment saying that Iran reserves the right to respond to the situation at a time and place of its choosing, which of course is the regular rhetoric that we usually hear from the Iranians when things like this happen. So the death of uh, Mousavi could potentially change things around, could potentially tip the balance of power, could potentially create more of a front on the northern border because Hezbollah undoubtedly will be given some orders by the Iranians to somehow try to revenge the death of Mosavi. Um, this, I think, is a very significant event and does potentially change the balance of events. Anthony Reich, that is where we leave it today. Thank you very, very much. And uh, always enjoy your insights, your information, and just you're a very generous man with your information and your knowledge and your insights and really very very grateful to you for that thank you so much that's Anthony Reich he's our Israel correspondent and uh, we'll catch up with him again tomorrow morning that Israel report was brought to you by the Blue Agency your Israel property is in good hands hi it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever all of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Sahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all. Amen.